This is exactly right. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm your host, Dr. Dan. Our goal and mission at Parent Footprint is to create a loving world with more compassionate people, one parent and one child at a time. At Parent Footprint, we firmly believe that the key to raising happy, healthy, engaged, and aware kids is for us adults to strive for those same things in our own life, to strive for health, happiness, engagement, and of course, awareness. We believe that awareness is the foundation of creating a vision of successful parenting and that we can work on being the person we want our child to become. Today's show is called Every Day is Father's Day, The Power of Parental Influences with Lise Wheel. I'm excited to introduce you to Lise and tell you about her. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Lise is a New York Times best-selling author, journalist, former federal prosecutor, and respected legal analyst and commentator. As a legal analyst and reporter for Fox News for 15 years, she now is currently an anchor for the Law and Crime Network and the host of the new podcast, Pursuit of Justice with Lise Wheel. She's the author of 18 books, including Hunting Charles Manson, The Quest for Justice in the Days of Helter Skelter, her newest book, which we're going to talk about today. And she won a book award for one of her many books called The 51% Minority. Before she joined Fox News in New York City, she served as a legal analyst and reporter for NBC News and NPR's All Things Considered and was the co-host of the nationally syndicated show The Radio Factor. She's been a federal prosecutor in the U.S. Attorney's Office, was associate professor of law at the University of Washington, and she's currently a professor of law at New York Law School. And to be even more impressive, she got her JD from Harvard Law School. Lise, I don't know what else to say about you except welcome. It's so great to be with you. Thank you so much for having me on. So you have done a lot of really cool things, and... The first thing that I'd like to talk about with you is your Thrive Global piece about your dad and your grandfather, which which seems to have fueled your passion, both personality-wise and, as you say, genetically, uh, for the pursuit of justice. And uh, that, t- that piece touched a lot of people. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it, it, it really uh, comes from the heart. And I really did grow up kind of um, out of the Western <laughs> um, in, in the truest sense of the word that, you know, my grandfather and uh, his father before him. I mean, it was just we have that sense of right and wrong and good, good and evil. And it was pretty much um, kind of cut and dried. And I I grew up with uh, my dad telling stories about the good guys and the bad guys and him going after um, he was in the FBI, and then he was a federal prosecutor, and before that, a, a state's attorney general, and really putting the bad guys away. And it, it really resonated, of course, you know, with a child growing up. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't go into gory details or anything like that. I don't mean it like that. But, you know, as a child, you're really, you're really sort of susceptible, and you're, you're grabbing all that in. 
and you and you look up to your dad and you go, you know, that's my dad and he's doing the the right work and he's wearing a white hat, you know, not literally going out every day wearing a white hat, but you know, it what for him what I really felt what really felt special to me about him was um the bottom line for him was not a bottom line as in money. Uh, yes, you know, he and my mom f- provided for me and my brother. We we lived fine, uh, you know, not opulently, but we weren't poor either. Um, but it wasn't about the materialistic things. It really was about trying to, to do right, make the world a little bit better place. And I really think that he, the gift that he gave um, that they gave us is to try to think is to think like that, just to, to leave our little spot in the world a little bit better. Um, and in, in his way, um, the way he did it was through the law and to, and to use the law, learn the law, because the law, of course, is about stories and about people that are in trouble that need help. And so by learning the law and by using the law, use the law to help people, to get them out of their trouble. And, uh, you followed that story in your own life, right? I mean, did you did you find yourself directly pursuing the path because of your father and grandfather, or did it something that that emerged and and surprised you? You know, I I when I look back, it seems so obvious because my mother immigrated from Denmark and she um, got a PhD. No, immigrated from Denmark, mind you, got a PhD in English literature and taught English at the Yakima Valley Community College to um, uh, first and second year, you know, community college people at, at a, you know, very rural um, state college, you know, community college, um, English. Okay. So this is, this is somebody who grew up in Denmark in rural Denmark. So, and then she would taught, told stories. So, and then my dad was this, you know, pursuit of justice guy. So, of course, I was bound to grow up and to be a federal prosecutor and a writer. I mean, it's like, come on, like <laughs> it was written for you. <laughs> but at the time, you know, I'm like a, any rebellious kid. I mean, come on, I'm not going to grow up. I'm not saying I was like, you know, like this perfect kid, never did anything wrong. But when I look back, it's like, it's kind of pre predestined, preordained that this, I would grow up to be a federal prosecutor and then a novelist. Um, and the one thing I didn't say about your bio is you have a master's in literature. So you, you really yes. have the, the piece of both of your parents and their education. <laughs> yes, I do. I, don't, I didn't get a Ph.D. in literature, just a master's. My mom got the PhD. Just a master's. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, wow. but you know, it's it just, it's, it, yeah. And, and, and neither of them pushed me into any of these things. Um, um, I just, you know, I could have been a travel bum and they would have been happy, you know, visiting me in all spots of the, of the world traveling. Cause they love to travel. They still do at 83. So it's just, um, they just engendered this idea, but really justice, you know, um, justice in mean, literature is full of stories about justice and, and how, you know, good, good eventually triumphs over evil and, and good eventually it takes, sometimes it takes a while, but in the pursuit of justice, you know, good does eventually triumph. And we like to hear that. I found that when I was reading your blog, I felt hope because your oh, blog was talking about um, faith in the justice system, faith in the jury, right? Faith in right. people. And uh, faith, yep. these are these are trying times these days. I think there's you know a lot of people questioning, um, you know, do the good guys really win? 
Um, and so it just comes, it came at a very, I think, important time. And uh, I wonder if, are, do you hear people challenge you on that notion um, about the good guys winning? Well, of course. And I think that that's, that's through the ages. It's not just now in our hard times because we do have difficult times. We're in a very divisive um, part in this country, very politically divisive, culturally divisive. Um, but it's not just now and in, in, in this year, in 2018, this political climate, you, you have to think about cultural and, you know, it's why it's good to be a history, a student of history to look back and say, it's not just now. And in this period, we've had other times, um, study history. So, you know, go look back at the Romans. I mean, you know, so it, it these, hap- these times mm-hmm. have happened before and, 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 um, but eventually, you know, if you look at uh, um, swings in history, bad things happen to good people. That's true. Um, but you've you got to have to kind of at some time believe in faith or what else is there really? And so my, my parents and my father, uh, 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 both of them, but especially my father through the law, that was one way, you know, the, the, the law is really our, our, our rules that we set up in our justice system. And we say, you know, you have to abide by these rules. And if you don't, there will be consequences. And and sometimes um, people get away with uh, with breaking the rules and they're never caught. Um, they may face other consequences in their own lives and, and, you know, that never the legal system never catches them. Um, but, you know, you have to, uh, as a prosecutor, as, as he was and I was, at least try to, you know, get people to follow the rules. And I think that was very important, you know, as, as he taught me. So one of the guiding principles of Parent Footprint is this be the person you want your kids to become and model through your own life, you know, how to live. And clearly your father and grandfather and obviously your mother did that. How do you feel your career has had an impact on you as a parent? Well, I I try to live by example, because it's true, the old saying, you know, children are watching, it's like a jury, right? Um, (laughs) A jury Mm -hmm. is always, you've got, you've got the 12 people, one of them is always watching, um, watching you, Um, whether you're a defendant or whether you're the prosecutor, they're always watching. So you may not think, you know, that one is watching you, but one of them is watching you. And you better believe when they go back in the jury deliberation room, that one of them will say to the other, you know, did you see what she was doing? Did you see that sleight of hand that she was trying there or that question that wasn't quite right or whatever? And you think you might have been slipping something by, but, you know, one of the jurors is going to catch you. Kids are so smart. (laughs) They catch Mm -hmm. every little last thing. So the better thing is just to kind of fess up. And I I remember a time that I was trying to put my daughter, she must've been about um, eight or nine. I was trying to put her into timeout and I said something like, you know, you've got to go into timeout. And I don't even remember what it was now. And she said to me, mom, I demand a lawyer. And then she said, wait, you're a lawyer. (laughs) And she said, I demand an appeal. (laughs) 
<laughs> and, you know, I had to walk out of the room because I was just about ready to laugh. <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face. And I don't remember what it was. She was, I was trying to, but it was like, I just have to walk out of here because I cannot maintain the solemnity, solemnity, the, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the sternness I have to maintain to be the, the strong parent here. <laughs> I just better walk out of this room. <laughs> But I thought, oh my gosh, I'm raising a little lawyer. It's frightening. Oh, yeah. Already oriented towards justice and process. Yes. A yeah. little bit, a little bit yeah. too much. A little bit too much. She got me. <laughs> she wanted an appeal. There was no appellate process. I was the Supreme Court. It was over. <laughs> you know, and I, I mean, when I think of uh, parenting and pa- parenting our kids with both um you know, firmness, and um, but also with respect. It's uh, the whole idea of actually appeal is really interesting, right? Like, shouldn't everyone have the ability to make an appeal, even to us parents, to argue their case? Right, right. Well, yeah, and they do. I mean, children do get get a chance, and that's why. That's why actually, I think timeouts are kind of great because I've actually done this. Um, I've given myself when the kids were young. I gave myself timeouts. When, when I would feel myself bubbling up, right? And I mm-hmm. remember a couple of times when I would give myself a timeout and go, you know what? I'm walking to the mailbox now, kids. Just mm-hmm. watch me walk away to the mailbox. No, not far to the mailbox. I'm walking away to the mailbox. And they would like, oh, mom's walking away to the mailbox. We really, <laughs> we really are in the, really in the dump now. <laughs> Yeah, but, with some, you know, when it gets then, quiet, when it gets quiet, it's scary. It yeah, can be scary for kids yeah, when we get quiet. Oh yeah, when they get when it gets quiet, and where mom walks has to walk away to the mailbox. But that's what I would do, and I would just walk away and just breathe, and I'd calm down, and just even that, just walking. You know, it couldn't have been more than a minute just to get the mail and just taking that few breaths and go okay. Think it truly. It's really not that bad. What is, what were their major transgressions? You know, of course, the time when my son put um, the big wad of a gum in, his, in my daughter's hair in the back seat when I was trying to, you know, get a baseball for him, and he just and he thanked me by putting a big wad of gum in his sister hair, sister's hair. That was that was a tough one for me. <laughs> Mm, I bet. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we got through it. <laughs> so we, walk we away. Have these moments tre- we have these moments to treasure. That was a walk away to the mailbox moment. <laughs> that was give mom a timeout moment. Yeah. But, yep. you know, but then there are other times when, you know, they would say, Mom, just, you know, get, sit down. And there were a few times where they said, Mom, sit down. We're putting on a Lifetime movie for you, and then they bring me a cup of, then they bring me a book bowl of ice cream, and they put on a Lifetime movie for me, and that was so sweet. They're like, "You need a time to sit down, watch a Lifetime movie, and we're bringing you some ice cream." Aww. Wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah. they, they know their mom that. pretty well. They know yeah. mom pretty well. <laughs> so your your new series, you've started a new series, and the first book is out. The Quest yes. for Justice in the Days of Helter Skelter. Um, yes. Excuse me, Hunting Charles Manson, The Quest for Justice in the Manson. Days of Helter Skelter. Yes. 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 So tell us how, like, that's a pretty heavy title for those of us who, uh, yeah. you know, have lived long enough to know about those days. So tell us about this book and the story. Well, I wanted to write something. There have been lots of books written about um, the summer of August, uh, the August of uh, 69, and that story that most of us uh, have lived long enough to know about. 
but just to bring my son in for another minute, when I decided to write about that uh, whole era, my son said to me, said, oh, mom, um, are you sure? That seems kind of dangerous. And that was like, first of all, how sweet, you know, how sweet of him to, to, to care about his mom. But secondly, I thought, wow, th- that a 23-year-old, he's 25 now, but he's 23 at the time, because I wrote this for, worked on this for two years, knew about Charles Manson, because obviously he wasn't alive when this happened, told me that this was a very culturally relevant period and and still is. And I thought, yeah, this is important to write about, important to get it straight. And, and because a lot of things, of course, have happened since Vincent Bugliosi wrote the book Helter Skelter. There have been many parole hearings that have happened. Um, many, many things have, many, many things have, have happened since since um, that seminal book was written. And I, I actually discovered some things and I was, uh, had the good fortune, if you can put it that way, to be in the last parole hearing that Tex Watson had. Now, Tex Watson, if you'll remember, was the man who actually committed the murders. Um, Charles Manson mm-hmm. set everything in motion. Tex Watson was the one who actually, you know, did the deeds, um, of, mm-hmm. you know, shooting and, 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 um, and stabbing these people. So I was actually the only, I was the only press person at the, at that parole hearing. And it was fascinating sitting there for nine hours with this murder. Um, but it was just fascinating to listen to him and, and, and try to get inside this guy's mind in in a weird way. And, um, so it set in motion a lot of things for me and a lot of research for me and, and I think the result is is really kind of a thriller, a thriller book, and a real work of um, of, uh, of nonfiction that sets it gives you um, a perspective into that era, and it really changed. That summer really changed American culture. I mean, we were we were a much more innocent time, and I think to have that juxtaposition is, is very interesting. It also tells you about where we are now, um, as opposed to then, obviously. But I think it's important to understand Manson's playbook and how it can happen again and is happening again, um, because that's a pretty scary thing. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a book series. Yes, yes. It's the first in at least three books. Um, I'm working on the second one already. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hunting away. I'm just um, hunting and hunting. It's nice. a lot of research, as you can imagine. A lot of work goes into this because these are historical books. Um so they take, uh, you know, to give you something that's new and fresh and also to make, help you understand the history and make you excited about it, interested in it. You know, it's a lot of work and a lot of research for you. But I put it into a nice, easy, readable book so you can have, you know, have a chapter or two a night uh, or maybe not at night, like not before you go to bed. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe not right before <laughs> but, bed, right? Yeah, right yeah. Not, before, not, not before bed. But um, in the afternoon, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just kind of a, 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 a thriller for you. And for parents out there always are looking for uh, good books for themselves and their kids. Do you have an, in mind an age of youth that you would say uh, would be the I starting age for your it. book? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't let I mean, I wouldn't let like, you know, a 12 year old read it. Um, I would say, you know, 15, 16 and up, um, for me, I mean, but I'm pretty conservative about that. I would say 16 and up because you gotta, you, it's a pretty, you know, it's pretty heavy stuff. 
So for me, I wouldn't let anybody under 16 read it. I mean, I'm sure other people younger can, but that's for me. I, uh, for me, my, my novels, Anybody can read those. They're fun. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is heavy stuff. I would, I, for parents, I'd say, you know, you're, let your 16 and ups read it. Yeah. Uh, putting my uh, psychologist cap on, I agree with you. That sounds developmentally appropriate. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our time yeah. is running too short. So I have one question, last question for you. And as I thought, as I think about this question, so this is the parent footprint moment question, and people yeah. answer it in a few different ways, and you can go in a lot okay. of different directions with this. So I'm going to ask it to you both ways. So the parent footprint moment question is when you rem- when you became aware of something about yourself as an individual or a parent, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child. That's question A, but the one you could choose, because we've also talked about how influential your dad um, particularly has been on your life. The parent footprint moment question also can be when you became aware of something about your parent or your father in this case, and that awareness had a profound impact on your life. I think we've kind of circled around it in this whole conversation, which is just that I I really believe that it sounds sort of strange, but that um, in a in a strange way that justice is in my genes, and I don't mean the genes that I wear. I mean I really believe um, that mm-hmm. I'm meant to pursue justice, and I take that from both my parents, but I especially from my dad, who's just comes from generations. I mean, my great grandfather was a sheriff, you know, in the old west. And my grandfather was a a judge and a prosecutor. And so it's just from the old Western days, from when this country was founded, we're based on, you know, the old frontier justice. And I just like, I just, it's it's in my genes. It's like, I'm born to do that. So it's in there, you know, and that's what I've tried to uh, present to my children and carry for them to carry down um, in their lives to always do the right thing, be just, be fair um, in their dealings with other people, in their dealings in their lives, in their relationships. I mean, you know, everything. And, and I think that's just, it doesn't become in one particular one second or one moment. It's in a, a whole way of, you know, it's a million stories at night you know, one rule in our family growing up was we had to be there for family dinner. And as wonderful as my mom and dad were as cooks, primarily my mom, it wasn't so much just what we had for dinner. We could be having leftovers. It was we had to be there for dinner. We had to have family dinner. And it, my dad and my mom, but they talked about stories. And the stories that my dad were, was imparting were stories about justice. And I can see that now. I couldn't see that then as a child, but I see it now that was seeping into my little pea brain and hopefully that is seeping into my parents or to my children as well. I'm sure it is. And I, I just love, I mean, justice and the pursuit of justice is so much a part of who you are and your family is. And uh, I want to thank you for personally giving me hope hearing that story. Um, And I hope all our listeners out there hear, uh, feel it too. Thank you. Well, it's, it's true. It's true felt. It's true felt, heartfelt. So Lise, we want you to keep, uh, 
going after the bad guys and all of your colleagues as yep. well. Um, we're all going to pursue justice together. Everyone, check out Lisa's new book, Hunting Charles Manson, The Quest for Justice in the Days of Helter Skelter. And Lisa, tell everyone where they can follow you and uh, stuff you're doing. Okay. Um, yeah, LeaseWheelBooks.com, and that's L-I-S. W-I-E-H-L books.com. That's my website. And of course I'm on Facebook. So you can check me out on Facebook. I'm always posting stuff there. And, and uh, my publisher, Harper Collins uh, just had a wonderful contest there a little while ago. Um, we're giving books away and they always doing nice things like that. So check out Facebook, least real Facebook. And uh, yeah, when oh, I just started a podcast, ironically called, well, not ironically, but of course, what would you guess? Pursuit <laughs> of Justice with Lise Wheel. <laughs> there you um, go. So I just started, yep, there you go. Just started like a month or two ago and that's on iTunes. And yeah, I'm, I'm hosting at Law, uh, LawNews.com and our Law News Network. We just, we're just now a network, we're a little upstart network, Law News Network. And uh, doing stuff like that, working on the next book. So it's all good. It's all good. It sounds all great. All right, Lise, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank I you can't so wait much. to read the thank book. You. During the day. I'm going to read it during the day, not at night. Yeah, yeah, read it. Yeah, don't read it right before <laughs> yeah. you go to bed. <laughs> it won't put you to sleep. All right, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Check out our Parent Footprint Awareness Training where you can work on being the parent and the person you want your child to ultimately become. I will leave you with this last guiding question, as I always do. What footprint do you want to leave?